podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tis that time of the season when the ghouls and goblins prowl. Witches ride their broomsticks and bonehead wildcats howl. So scrape your claws together and make some chilling noise for your haunted wildcatters of spooky Bosco boys. Another week in the books where I win the betting, the pick 'em or whatever you want to call it, and you know where I should have made my bets at, Scott? Probably my bookie AG. That's the only spot I would ever bet. Um, guys, trust us. They're the best bet this season. Uh, they've been in business for years. They have great reviews online. Their mobile site's super easy. When you win, they pay. It's that simple. You can do the in-game betting. You ha- they have the most rewarding um, player perks in the business. And for the fantasy guys, you can do the over-under. You can bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Use our promo code, capital B-O-I-S-25. That's BOYS25, and they will match your deposit. Dollar for dollar, how much? Up to $1,000 plus 25 extra. Wow, what a crazy deal. It's unbelievable. It's the best. Uh oh. Right? Yeah. Okay. That's my first. And, and we're car? back. No, I have my first name. Uh, <laughs> the waitress thought that I was using a stolen credit card because my name's different, so I paused it there. That was amazing. <sighs> Should have kept it going. Grant almost got arrested. It's crazy. Um, I'll let you tell him about Fatty Fest, or I oh, can. Yeah. I have it all no, in front definitely. of me. Fatty Fest. You know, we've been talking about it. You know, for a couple weeks now, it's a great event to honor one of, if not the best K-State fans of all time. Uh, You know his YouTube videos. A lot of folks know him from message boards. It's the best. Uh, Schwan Al-Khatib. It's going to be a grand old time. October 20th in Manhattan. There's a scavenger hunt, silent auction, and trivia competition. Go to fattyfun.org or go to goema.com or come to us on Twitter and we can send you in the right place. It's going to be honestly the most fun you can have on a bye week. If I didn't have to be a best man in a wedding, I would definitely be there. So uh, it's it's going to be a fun time. I hope uh, I hope all the boneheads go and check it out, and it's for a great cause. For a great cause, and it honors a really good person, so you should definitely get out there and do it. Um, you'll have fun. Next up, where are we? We are at Calibration, Calibration Brewery in North Kansas City. Uh, we tried something different today to mix up the beer. We came for one specific beer, uh, the Pumpkin Rye Ale, and I happened to get the last pint of it, and Scott is really I, butthurt about it. I'm, 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 I'm really upset. I, I wish I wasn't this upset. I'm embarrassed of how upset <laughs> I am. But The funniest part is that I have a cold, and I can barely even taste it, so it's just going to <laughs> completely going to waste on me. Yeah, I'm, I'm in shambles here. Um, but it is what it is. We, uh, we'll keep moving on. What's um, your beer? The Oktoberfest? So I had the Oktoberfest. It was pretty good. And now I also have a grapefruit IPA. I'm sure it's fine. Um, but but <laughs> I really sure wanted fine. that pumpkin rye beer really bad. I'm sorry. It's all right. I'll, I'll move on. Um, so we're, we're doing things a little different this week. We're going straight into the primers. And uh, when we come out of there, we're going to have a special guest for you guys to hop in. We're going to do Keys to V and uh, 
do the game picks and no ass Bosco, no Wildcat wrap up uh, because we, we want to let our special guest Cole Manback uh, rant a little bit. He's the best in the biz on Twitter stats when times aren't good. So we're going to give him as much time as we can. Um, so we're going to go to Colin and then uh, our good friend Derek Young from KSO for our primers. Then uh, when you when you hear us next, it's going to be time to get down to business. All right. Be right back. Hi, everyone. This is Colin Clark from the Big 12 Country Podcast. Now I'm here to give you your Oklahoma State primer for this Saturday's matchup between the Wildcats and the Cowboys. So first off, just a brief description of how OSU has gotten to this point. They opened the season facing Missouri State and got a big win in that game at home there in Stillwater. Followed it up with another big win against South Alabama in Stillwater. Then probably the biggest win of the season so far for the Cowboys. They really just dominated Boise State and Uh, I think they ended up with about seven sacks on defense, and the offense looked explosive. So probably the high point thus far for the the Cowboys. From there, they've struggled at times, you know, had dropped a big one to uh, Texas Tech and really just got kind of ran out of Boone-Picking Stadium at that point. As far as how last week went, Iowa State came into Stillwater and had not beat OSU in Stillwater since 2000 and and came away with a close-fought victory. It was a bit interesting, you know. You had a true freshman quarterback starting for Iowa State. Well, I don't actually. I don't think he started, but he came in early in the game. But just introduced an entirely different aspect of the offense that I don't think the Cowboys' defense was expecting with the quarterback run game. David Montgomery did not play in this game, so I think the Cowboys felt like they could really just kind of pin their ears back and and get after Zeb Nolan a little bit, maybe force some turnovers there, and and that just did not happen. So. Defense definitely struggled against Iowa State. I don't know how much of it was just the fact that they weren't prepared for that quarterback. But at the same time, you have to give credit to Iowa State because the quarterback came out just a you know a true freshman and made throws all over the field and played good on defense and really confused the offensive line for Oklahoma State. That's a that's an entirely different issue. They struggled to protect Taylor Cornelius the whole day and I think I saw ended up finishing the day with 16 tackles for a loss. So just a huge day for Iowa State's defense, even with giving up 42 points. Uh, you know, that's that's a bad loss for Oklahoma State, just in the fact that it puts them 1-2 and two in conference and probably realistically finishes any hope they have of continuing for the Big 12 this year, even, even if that wasn't very high in the first place. Um, top strength for this Oklahoma State team, I would probably say – is going to be on offense. It would probably be the uh, running back. You know, obviously you have Justice Hill, you have J.D. King and, and Chuba Hubbard back there and really run the ball if the offensive line can get any type of push at all. The wide receiver core is pretty strong as well, uh, led by Tylen Wallace and uh, Tyron Johnson. You also have a, a new explosive receiver that just really started in the last couple of weeks after Jalen McCleskey elected to transfer and sit out the rest of the year. Uh, that being Landon Wolf, so you might be looking for him to potentially have a big day there in Manhattan. On defense, I would say the strength is probably the defensive line. They, they've been able to get a lot of pressure on quarterbacks this year and have really fared pretty good against the run as well. Uh, weaknesses for this team, in my opinion, is definitely the offensive line on offense. At times, they can pass block pretty good. They have struggled to get any type of push when they actually just need a few yards here or there with the run game. So, you know, that could definitely be an issue going up against a Kansas State defense that kind of prides themselves on being able to stop the run. On defense, it has to be the secondary. 
you know, they brought in a new defensive coordinator this year and have tried to establish a lot of pressure with this. Uh, unfortunately, that's putting a lot of pressure on an inexperienced secondary. You do have some experience at the cornerback spot with them returning two cornerbacks this year and Rodarius Williams and uh, A.J. Green. However, you're starting three, well, I guess two uh, two freshman safeties. You had, do have an upperclassman safety back there. But if you go back and watch film throughout the year, where OSU has really struggled is when the opposing team starts picking on those safeties. And it, it's just due to inexperience. They don't don't have anybody back there that has played a lot. And you have a lot of true freshmen or, you know, redshirt freshmen or whatever playing at safety. And it's put them in bad positions to spot, especially when the defensive pass rush isn't able to get to the quarterback. A uh, key player on each side of the ball for OSU, I'd have to say starting on offense, that it would be Justice Hill on for the offense. If OSU is going to have a chance in this game, they've got to get some type of run game established with Justice Hill. If he can do that, it takes some of the pressure off Taylor Cornelius. And let's be honest, he does need any help he can get just to kind of get the dogs off of him there with the defensive pass rush. On defense, it has to be Jordan Brelford, the defensive end for Oklahoma State. He's, I think he's still leading the country in sacks, but he has eight sacks on the year and roughly 11, 11 and a half tackles for loss in the year. So big part of why Oklahoma State's been leading the country in sacks this season so far has been Jordan Brelford. And look for him not to only play defensive end, but also to be kind of moved all over that defensive front. That's one way that they've been able to get a lot of pressure with him. As far as what aspect of the game is most important for Oklahoma State in this game, they've got to be able to establish a run. The offense flows with establishing the run first. If they can do that, that gives Taylor Cornelius a little bit of confidence that he's not just going to be running for his life the whole day. So that that's definitely a key. So uh, look for that. I hope we have a, a good game up there in Manhattan, and you know, hope it's hope it's a good one. Uh, once again, this is Colin Clark with Big Twelve Country. You can follow our main Twitter account at Big XII Country. Follow me personally at Colin underscore B one two C. And just check us out. Uh, we, we do cover all the teams in the Big 12. We do uh, podcasts twice a week. The podcast is pretty much available on every format now. We recently got added to Spotify. So, yeah, check us out and let us know what you think. And, you know, as always, keep listening to Bosco's boys. They do a great job there covering the Kansas State Wildcats. Hi, this is Derek Young from kstateonline.com, part of the Rivals.com network. And I'm here to give you your Kansas State primer for this Saturday's matchup between the Wildcats and the Oklahoma State Cowboys in Manhattan. K-State obviously lost last Saturday in Waco to Baylor, 37-34. That puts their mark at 2-4 on the year in 0-3. In the Big 12, obviously a big talking point this year has been the quarterback position. They've kind of waffled in between the two, but have seemed to settle on Skylar Thompson for at least now since Alex Delton is out with an injury. And obviously also uh, widely discussed has been the comments from Bill Snyder. Uh, Just a little bit of controversial in press conferences, though not everything is, you know, real nice and cozy up in Manhattan right now uh, and they typically never are when you're two and four and have yet to win a Big 12 game through uh, three games at this point. So the Wildcats looking for their first Big 12 uh, win of the season as they host the, the Oklahoma State Cowboys in Manhattan. Mike Gundy, uh, his team has struggled a little bit as well. So two teams looking to get off the schneid here.
on Saturday. Uh, a straight for the Wildcats. Well, you got to point at least to the running game. Uh, Alex Barnes ran for 250 yards in Waco during the loss against the Bears. So, you know, that's a really good point of emphasis for Kansas State and probably something that they're going to need to do because the passing game has never really uh, gotten off well this year, uh, really at any point in the season. Uh, they're pretty limited in that area, although Skylar Thompson does at least pose the threat. And that's probably why you saw the running game take off with Skylar Thompson under center. Alex Barnes has certainly had uh, a lot of success with Skylar Thompson under center and a little bit more room defensively. It's been an up-and-down season. They looked good against South Dakota. They looked good for the most part against Texas, only gave up 10 points in that contest. But certainly uh, the poor tackling issues were a problem against Baylor last week. Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, there was 21 of them and uh, 37 points surrendered. So the defense has been a little up and down, but Eli Walker has been a bright spot this year. Obviously, he's gotten in and seen a lot more playing time because of the injuries to Kendall Adams and Denzel Goolsby. Uh, those two of Goolsby's missed games. Adams has been limited at times, so Eli Walker has been a bright spot. Justin Hughes was a bright spot, but obviously he had his struggles against Baylor. And uh, Kansas State... You really can't point to one side. Sometimes they defend the pass well. Sometimes they defend the run well. Pretty inconsistent ball club on both sides of the ball at this point. Uh, key player for Kansas State this week, I I would have to lean on Alex Barnes again. I think that is the recipe for Kansas State the rest of this year. They have to be able to run the ball because I'm not sure the passing game, even with Skylar Thompson under center, is something to be relied upon. And uh, just, you know, defense gaining a little bit of consistency will go a long ways, but I think, you know, we talked about how well Eli Walker has has played for Kansas State. Certainly, I'm not sure that he would be uh, one of the keys, uh, key players for Kansas State, especially against Oklahoma State. They're going to want to throw the ball. They always do. So you do look in the secondary for a key player, and I think someone the, that really comes to mind for me would be A.J. Parker, the other corner. He's had an up-and-down season. He's had some games – where he's been fantastic in other games where he's been a little bit of a liability. And a, they're probably going to look to attack him first and foremost because Duke Shelley continues to get better as the season goes on. So this is a game where, you know, if A.J. Parker rises to the occasion as a good one, um, then you know Kansas State can make, perhaps make Oklahoma State a little bit one-dimensional. Um, they're always going to run past the ball. They have Justice Hill. He's an explosive playmaker, but I think Mike Gundy's bread and butter will always be the passing game, and Justice Hill obviously gets involved in that, so a linebacker will be key. And it, hopefully they can have Elijah Sullivan back. I wouldn't count on it, but this would certainly be a game where he could be a pivotal factor. Uh, for uh, for Kansas State, I think the most pivotal you know factor in this ball game will be to just you know, they're going to have to score points. Oklahoma State's going to get theirs as an offense. They always do. When teams have beat them, they tended to outscore them. Iowa State did, certainly, and I think that's a recipe for that other teams are going to use. You're going to have to score points to beat Oklahoma State, and luckily this year you can. Their uh, defense is, you know, not as great uh, and usually aren't, but this year probably a little bit more so, and Kansas State's coming off a 34-point you know, out performance. So they certainly have confidence going into this game uh, on that side of the ball, and they're going to have to bring it again in Manhattan against Oklahoma State this Saturday. Uh, I talked about Alex Barnes being able to run the ball. I think will be the key for Kansas State against Oklahoma State. Limit the Cowboys' possessions. I know that's the bread and butter for K State. It always has been year over year. 
They, you know, wanted to gear themselves a little bit more to a passing game, but I think this game itself lends itself to Kansas State, you know, using Skylar Thompson in the, you know, the design QB run game, not 15, 20 times. They, Thompson probably not fit to run that style of offense, but maybe 10 or 12, or maybe perhaps just a bit more than he did a year, uh, than he has so far this year. And then Alex Barnes, I mean, certainly 250 yards last week. Not saying he'll get 250 this week, but he should have his opportunities to have another big game and something to look back on. Skylar Thompson and K-State, they upset the, the Cowboys in Stillwater a year ago. Oklahoma State certainly looking for revenge due to that. But I think at the same time, there's got to be some confidence on the Kansas State side because of what they did a year ago in Stillwater, especially Skylar Thompson. He hooked up with Byron Pringle and you know many other receivers and had a big game. It was sort of his coming out party when he pulled off that upset against the top 10 team on the road. So Skylar Thompson had a great success last year. He'll have to carry that over into this game as well. Uh, that, so the fact a factor I would have to say is definitely can Kansas State move the ball consistently and can they limit Oklahoma State possessions? It worked last year. Will it work this year? I don't know, but I think that's the way to do it. I don't know if the defense is going to stop Oklahoma State to win it on their on on their own. And certainly, special teams for Kansas State cannot be the liability that it was last week. If they shore up the special teams, limit possessions on offense, but also convert in the red zone and get touchdowns instead of field goals, I think they keep this close and give themselves an opportunity to win. Thanks for listening. This is Derek Young from KStateOnline.com. We're back, boys. Thanks to the. Um Colin, Colin of Oklahoma State and our best friend, one of our best friends of the pod, Derek top, Young of top KSO. 20, top 20 best friend. Um, for doing our primers for us, we have a very special guest. It's my papa. Uh, it's Cole Manbeck. <laughs> <laughs> we have Cole Manbeck on the pod. My favorite Twitter follow, probably. I just like to feed you the negative stuff. Yeah, he's I all. I do that for you. If you need if you need rage after games. Or in games. Or in games. Cole is going to give you the statistical ammo to just you know, burn into a world of fury. <laughs> I need to have my phone taken away from me during games. I no, mean, no, no. Tweet. I love it. I love it. It's I can't like, get enough. I, I go into games and I, like, prepare the negative stats, waiting to unleash them after the game. That, so that's like you'll see me fire off, like, that's, negative You're records. my spirit animal. That's, <laughs> that, is, that is everything I wish I was. I mean, look, I, I don't. Like, I'd, I'd like to be positive. When there's reasons to be positive, I'll be positive. Right now, there isn't any. I know. There really isn't. So what we're going to do is our schedule here is we're going to jump into our keys to V, and then uh, we'll just do some pick em and yep. talk, and we'll just talk off the rails here. Sound good? Yeah, so let's, let's get rolling. Grant, you always kick us off. What is our first key to V this week? My first key to V is tackle better, please. Um it would have Very been a different game. It would have been a different game at Baylor, honestly, if we would have not had 21 missed tackles. And I think that's being generous. It seems low to me. 21 missed tackles. Um, defense needs to get back to the fundamentals. We don't have. We have such a thin margin of error. We can't be missing glaringly ob- like easy tackles. So. I think the 21 missed tackles was on one play, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was just one of the plays in the game. That could be very true. And that's just the max that Pro Football Focus had in their missed yeah. tackles. So <laughs> they maxed it out. Um, my first one uh, is going to be play mistake-free football. Play the football that the you know the national media, the guys calling the games, think we play. Um, this was a key to V earlier in the season, and it – has only really played out once. We keep turning the ball over. We keep having penalties. Um, for the longest time, we need to get back to that and, you know, stop 
shooting ourselves in the foot. It goes back to what you said. We have almost no margin of error. So if we're going to get penalized and turn over, it's, it's over. So You know what? Skylar Thompson didn't play well against Baylor, obviously. He didn't play nearly as well as I thought he would. But in this game against an Oklahoma State secondary that's arguably the worst in the Big 12, this is a game where he could really get the passing attack going. And if K-State's receivers can't separate against this Oklahoma State secondary, there's a significant issue. You know, the last four games, they're giving up 76% completion percentage. Only four teams in college football are worse in that time frame. And they're 101st in the country in pass efficiency defense. Iowa State lit them up in the passing game with a true freshman quarterback. So I think one of the keys, obviously, is being able to throw the football against them because they're strong against the run. But if you go with Skylar Thompson the full game, I think they can throw it effectively. I totally is that, is that your key to one of your key to these? Yeah, I like how that, you just swooped in and took it. That's I legit. love it. Yeah, yeah, I no, love that, it. that is one of my Col- keys. I okay, think they great. have to get the passing game going. Cole takes what he wants. That's legitimate. All right, so I guess we're on our fourth key to V. Yeah. Mine, my second is going to be let's have one game where we put it together on special teams. We've been calamitous on special teams so far. We've gotten nothing from the return game bar the first game against an FCS team, and that was legitimately the difference in the game. Give me something. At least, at the very least, field position battle or hit a hit, hit a fucking field goal or don't fumble. Don't turn the ball over on a return. How about that? Don't and miss Cole, an extra point. we got to figure out. I'm going to pause real quick because she doesn't want to be recorded. Okay. All right. Scott, you're up, baby. Let's go. Okay. So my final key to be, and this is our fifth. This goes hand in hand with what Cole said. Our offense and Skyler have to get in rhythm. Even when we were running the ball and playing well versus Baylor, even versus UTSA, I feel like there's been no rhythm on offense. There's always just you know clunky plays. I feel like everyone's just trying to learn how to ride a bicycle without training wheels. Well, if you're not going to take the training wheels off now, it's it's over. It's now or never. So have to get in rhythm. You know what? And they need to play up tempo with Skyler out there on the field and. Yeah, against Baylor, they didn't really do that, but we saw what he did coming from behind against Texas. When they get into a quick hurry-up type offense, he really thrives and excels. So they need to get him in a rhythm early because he's obviously struggled in the uh, the first half of ball games. unfortunately. My key also would be limiting the Oklahoma State running game and making them more one-dimensional. Look, Justice Hill's an outstanding running back. K-State struggled against the run this year, which is a little bit uncharacteristic. I think if they can make him one-dimensional, you can attack Taylor Cornelius in the passing game a little bit. I don't think you can let them spread it out and just throw it all over as well as run the ball effectively. Yeah, we're going to be in trouble with uh, Justice Hill. <laughs> I, I have a hunch. I think he's the real deal. In, uh, <laughs> you know, e- even, even if he uh, is held to just an average game, an average game for him is going to be, it's going to be scary. Yeah, you know what? Iowa State bottled him up pretty well. He had, he had 66 yards on 24 carries. So if K-State can just keep him under 100, and make them a little more one-dimensional, that would be a huge help. I'll take him having 99 yards right now. There you go. I would take it right now. Um, so those are our keys to V. You know, if K-State hits all six of those, I think they're going to win, and they might win big. And if the, if you think they're going to win, go to my bookie. Our game picks all year have been sponsored by MyBookie. That is M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And at this point, you guys know the promo code, BOYS25, for $1,000 plus 25. We all know the boneheads are rich and they smell very good, and you have the money to blow on gambling. So uh, Grant had another great pick or week. Uh, he was the only guy who had a winning record last week. This was the worst collective record in our pick'em. You went six and five. I went five and six, and K Dog went five and six. The Boneheads. You have Cole, who's going to rescue you. He's going to try to dig you out of the hole. You're sitting at thirty nine and twenty five. 
I'm sitting at 42 and 22. And Grant, surprisingly, you are sitting at 44 and 20. The big dog. The big dog. A lot of top 10 losses last week. It was a tough week for both yeah, of us, really. It was, a, it was a tough week for everyone. We're going to get started. Uh, this week, I will go first. I'll say the game. I'll say my pick. We will go to our guest, Cole, and then, Grant, you will bring us up. Uh, the first game, this is a Thursday night game. It's the first Big 12 Thursday night game of the year. Texas Tech is going to Amon G. Carter Stadium. This is a 6.30 kickoff on ESPN, Thursday, October 11th. I got TCU. You know, this is going to uh, probably throw you guys off a little. You're going to think I'm crazy. I'm actually going to take Texas Tech Woo! in this game on the road. I know they're seven-and-a-half-point dogs, but – Look, they have a hot coach. Anything can happen well, if you have an attractive you go. Yeah, coach. Yeah, my wife loves him. She likes to watch Texas Tech football. And the thing is, is that, you know, they're 3-3 three and three against TCU since they joined the Big 12. And if you look at it, you know, I just don't think TCU can score enough points in this game. And I think Tech will be able to score enough against their defense. Shocking. That's a shocking pick. Not go. really, though. It's not, it's not crazy. Uh, I'm going to go with TCU. I'm going to go with the home team. Gary Patterson, I trust in a good defense. The next game we have... Baylor going to the team that is back, the number nine Texas Longhorns. Saturday, October 13th, this is on ESPN at DKR Memorial Stadium, 2.30 kickoff. I'm going with the Horns, and I don't know if I'm going to pick them to lose again this year. <laughs> yeah, I think certainly this game will actually be a little closer just because of the letdown opportunity for Texas, but I think they'll certainly win the game. I got Hook'em, yeah. Texas. All right, there's a sweep. Uh, West Virginia is taking their show on the road after throwing a million and a half interceptions to KU. They're going to the Flood Dome. Jack Trice Stadium, 6 p.m. on Fox, Saturday kickoff. I'm going West Virginia. I If I can ever get away with not picking Iowa State, I'm never going to pick them. Uh, Cole? I, I am with you on that. And I did go back and forth on this, though, a little bit just because of an evening kick in Ames against West Virginia. They're oh, coming off, crazy. Yeah, they're coming off a good win at Oklahoma State, so they'll be energized. But ultimately, again, Iowa State has an offense that has struggled most of the year until last Saturday. I think West Virginia will put up too many points. Mm, I think it's going it. to be close. Do it. I think Purdy Jack is Tri decent, Stadium. It's night. Take them. I'm going with the ears. Okay, West <laughs> Virginia. All right, uh, we have a uh, battle on the bayou. The number second ranked Georgia Bulldogs are going to Cocho in the Louisiana State Bayou Bengals. Saturday, this is on CBS 230. I'm going with Georgia, even though I love Cocho. I wanted to pick Cocho, but I think Georgia's for real. Yeah, just too much talent for Georgia. I'm going with the dogs as well. I'm going the dogs as well, even though I've I love LSU. I think I like it more than I like K-State. Go Tigers. I'm going with the dogs. All right, another big matchup. This is in the Pac-12. I don't know why you'd ever play a Pac-12 game at 2.30 Central time. That is just garbage. This game <laughs> should be played at 11 p.m. Central time, God's time zone. Uh, but it is, it's 2.30 ABC, Autzen Stadium. Washington is going to Oregon and I actually I think I think Oregon's a little overrated at 17, so I'm taking the seventh ranked Huskies, uh, Purple Brothers. Um, I'm not confident in that though. Uh, you know what? I would feel better about taking Oregon if it was a night kick in Autzen Stadium. I'm still going to go with Oregon though, which probably goes against me a little bit on this and what I was thinking. Washington has a good defense, but I think Justin Herbert's the real deal quarterback. Uh, you know, they really just pissed away a game against Stanford and. I unfortunately lost some money on that game. It was a bad beat. And but I'm uh, sure you're using my bookie promo code, yeah, Boys25. Yeah, I, I certainly was. So uh, I will take <laughs> Oregon to pull off the upset at home. 
Scott, here's your chance to get a game back because I'm going with Oregon as well. Um, well, I'm I'm now glad that I went this way because this was the one I was wavering on. I'm a bit of a I'm not necessarily a believer in Oregon, but I think they steal this one. Uh, they never should have lost to Stanford. I think they learned their lesson, and they get the dub. I'm going with the Ducks. All right, this is our Saturday college game day game. The crew is going to Michigan Stadium for a 6:30 kickoff. Wisconsin going to Michigan. I'm wearing my khakis right now, and they're going to come out on top. Michigan wins. <laughs> and I'm going to say Michigan by double digits. So here's the thing. I have, uh, I have lost some money betting against Wisconsin in football and basketball throughout my life, and I have learned to just never bet against them. So I will take Wisconsin on the road to pull off the upset. I'm going with the homeboys. Um, I think it's going to be really close, though. I don't think there's much between these two teams that makes I – don't, I don't think you can – they're pretty close. Wisconsin is infuriating to watch just because Alex Hornibrook, their quarterback, I feel like he's floating the ball out there like yeah. 10 miles per hour and somehow, you know, is, has an outstanding resume. So yeah, I got Big Blue. I'm going to the home yeah. team. They're, they're not fun to watch, and hopefully Michigan uh, makes a winner out of me. Uh, so if anyone is a longtime listener, they're like, why are you picking the college game day game so early? Uh, that's usually the second to last game. Well, because of K-State's bye week and because of some shows we are pre-taping for you guys, some amazing shows, this is our uh, last preview episode. So we're going to pick the remaining Big 12 games and a couple other big games from October 20th. Grant and I will be at a wedding. I hope everyone else is at Fatty Fest in Manhattan. So the first one for the October 20th slate, number 11 OU at TCU. Uh, it's an 11 a.m. game. I'm going with OU. Um, you know, I, I think TCU will be back up for it after beating Texas Tech, but I think OU is going to end up winning this one big after losing to Texas. A few weeks ago, this looked like a much better game on paper than it's really probably going to be. I just think Oklahoma's offense will be able to put up enough points They'll win this game comfortably. TCU's offense is last in the Big 12 in points per possession, so I, I like OU. Hell yeah, cats aren't last, baby. Actually, K-State's only seventh in points per possession. Woo! That's shocking. Um, I'm going Sooners. All right. Uh, will KU give my brother, my little brother, a wedding gift? KU at Texas Tech, 230 FS1. This is AT&T Jones Stadium. I say no. Uh, we are going to be trying to keep up with it before the ceremony, but I have Texas Tech, uh, but closer than the experts think, as Lee Corso would say. Yeah, it, just give me the Red Raiders in this one. I think they win easily. As Kirk Herbstreit would say, Tech, big. <laughs> All right, we have uh, Colorado at Washington. This is currently 19 versus number 7, uh, October 20th. You guys know I'm going Washington. I'm not a believer in Colorado. No, neither am I. And, you know, look, Washington will have to be bouncing back from their loss at Oregon, as Grant and I predicted. That's right. So uh, I think Washington will win this handily. I'm going with my purple brothers. Probably, I think they have the best purple jerseys. That's my take. I love them. Mm, I think TCU has some salty ones. Yeah, they do. All right, that's fair. But I'm going Washington. All right, in uh, the final game before we get to the headliner, uh, number 20, NC State at Clemson. Will Clemson Clemson, Clemson, whatever. <laughs> whatever the verb for losing a game you shouldn't. I'm not going to predict it, but I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, I actually think NC State, I really wish we could have seen them play West Virginia. That would have been a great game, but I think the Kansas guy uh, ends up losing. I got Clemson big. Yeah, you know what? 
I think it could be a good game, obviously. Ryan Finley's an outstanding quarterback for NC State, good offensive team. Uh, but I can't go against my guy, Brent Venables. You know, of course the best, you can. It's the best college football How could coach you? there is. So. How could you? You know, if this game was at Carter Finley at night, I would yeah. be thinking different because crazy things happen at night at Carter Finley Stadium. But as we said, you know, what am I going to pick against Brent Venables? The, probably the sexiest coach out there today. I got, top three. I got Clemson. Gosh, I have to go down and watch the Clemson games in a separate room for my wife when they play. He's so hot. He's, so, just, I, he's so hot. I just he, want to put pictures of him around my house, replace my kids' photos with Venables, see if my wife notices. For me, it goes Justin Timberlake and then Brett Venables. So, all right, here it is. K-State, Oklahoma State. There are only so many winnable games left on this. I surprised everyone. I surprised all the boneheads last week. I ended up switching my pick and going with K-State. This week, I'm not going to do it. I'm not picking K-State probably ever again. Oklahoma State <laughs> by four. You know what? I I could easily see that happen, obviously, and be another close loss for K-State. I just think I think Oklahoma State's mediocre. And if K-State's ever going to flip the switch here, this is the game they're going to have to do it. So, you know – I think K-State will win this football game. Look at him. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not trying to be a homer. You guys know I'm the negative one. But here I am bringing some sunshine. I don't think you're crazy. I really don't. Um, I'm not much. It's not that I'm not a believer in, um, God, what was their fucking head coach's name? Gundy. Gundy. Wow. Mike Gundy. You I, do a just, K-State just, sports podcast and you just forgot Just escaped Mike me for name. a second. I mean, I know Mike Gundy. Come on. I'm not much. It's not that I don't believe in Mike Gundy as a head coach, but I don't believe him. Don't believe in him when he's playing K-State. Um, I never, like, fear Mike Gundy. But I just don't think we have the players. Um, I got to go with Oklahoma State until I improved wrong. So I'm going with the, the pokes here. I want us to win. I want us to win. But uh, I don't think we will. <laughs> All right, and those are your game picks. Uh, you know, make sure you write them down because uh – It'll be a while before we pick some games again. Um, and, again, this was a little bit different schedule. We're skipping over the Ask Bosco questions, not doing Wildcat Roundup. Uh, shocker, the volleyball and soccer team also shocker. keep losing. No one has a Big 12 yeah, win. We don't have a Big 12 win yet, and that's a little disappointing. Anywhere um, across the board. Hopefully volleyball or soccer or football can – pick it up otherwise we're just gonna be waiting for big daddy bruce to take over guys we got our lord and savior bruce weber coming and i mean that genuinely yeah we have (laughs) the the statues in process currently um i can't wait for the bruce uh statue but we might touch on bruce a little bit later um but since cole's in here and he's been one of the more uh vocal truthers or uh truth tellers (laughs) or stat uh presenters (laughs) Uh, when it comes to this football season. And I've even seen you on some message boards, LinkedIn, as being a cancer to the football (laughs) team, along with your buddy John. Uh, So this is something Grant and I have touched on, (laughs) and it was in the title of our last episode, It's Over, Go Home. But is Bill Dunn, should he step down in your opinion? Yeah, absolutely. I think this has to be the last year. Uh, That's what's for the best of K-State football in this program. I mean, when you look at the roster – that's coming back next year. Like, I'm not saying this is an overly talented roster. They obviously have to recruit a lot better. But when you look at the two deep on the depth chart, 24 of your 48 on the two deep, not including specialists, are juniors. So at least the next coach would inherit you know, most of a senior-laden roster, and it would give him a chance to recruit some young players to come in the program while he has a veteran football team you know, to potentially bridge the gap and win six, seven games at the very least. If you wait another year, 
And then you've got guys leaving the program left and right from the 2017 class and departing. I think they're going to have to dig themselves out of a huge hole, and it makes the job less attractive. So I think this has to be the year. I think K-State needs to nudge some people along and some donors to really talk to Bill and basically let him know this needs to be it. Grant, you and I have talked about it. We've made our voices clear, but uh, play devil's advocate for us. Are you willing to? <laughs> if you, if you, if well, you, I was gonna. I'll ask you this, Cole. Um, do you think that? Um, <laughs> man, it's hard to play devil's advocate for this situation. That's how strongly <laughs> I feel about yeah. well, here, Bill needing I'll, to go. I'll throw this out. Well, here, I'll, I'll throw this out here, and this is something that. Well, let me ask. This, let me ask this real quick. Do you oh, think that's that? Fine too. <laughs> well, I, well, you cut me off first, bitch. Well, so, uh, <laughs> so okay, but do you think that there's a situation? Well, do you th- I was gonna lead into. That. I don't know what you're talking about, but maybe well, if, if you have a point after this, do you think that there is a situation in sports where, let's say, a coach has done so much for a university that they deserve some sort of leeway, that they deserve a say in the time that they get to stop, well, or do you think that that's nonsense? I think it goes to a certain extent, but when you get to the point that you know Bill <laughs> Snyder is 79 years old and – you know. Ultimately, he obviously built it, but this is not Bill Snyder's football program. This is Kansas State University. It's not about Bill Snyder anymore. And so, obviously, you can be grateful for everything that he did and has done for this football program, and you can love him to death and also recognize at the same time that this is the time that you have to step down. He's not bigger than the program. He built it. The job is much more attractive than it was in 1989 because of him. They have facilities that are at least above average and you know, probably in the top 35 in the country now. They're collecting 30 plus million from TV revenue a year. The landscape has changed and it's because of Bill Snyder. They can go out and hire an attractive football coach. They can lure someone in. I always hear the Ron Prince crap, you know. Oh well, my God. You know, it and it just annoys me. the heck out of me. I'm like, yeah, they made a bad hire. That's going to happen on time to time. Yeah. It doesn't mean that Bill Snyder's the only guy that can win here. Other people can win here because of what Bill Snyder has done. And to answer, to get back to your point, Grant, I, I think obviously, you know, he's making three and a half million dollars a year. We've talked about it time and time again. K State has done plenty for Bill Snyder, just as he's done for K State. You know, you have to recognize there's a time, and if he doesn't recognize it. You know, then then others are going to have to kind of nudge him along. He's not getting the job done anymore, and they're never going to win another Big Twelve championship or contend for another Big Twelve title. That's what matters most, and that's what matters. It's not going to get better. Like no, okay. How about this? Let's say we win out and we finish what seven and five, eight and five. Is that good enough? Oh, who gives it? See, that's exactly. my biggest that's not pet the point. peeve. That's not who the point. gives a damn about getting to a meaningless six and six exactly. bowl game? When you get a six and six, I hear so many people always say, "Well, they need, can they get to six wins?" I'm like, who gives a crap about six wins anymore? You know what? I always heard the story about how bowl prep was so meaningful and getting the younger guys better. <laughs> well, if that was the truth, why is K State starting off with three losses or their first six games every damn year? Every why are the guys? Why, why do they look unprepared to play at the start of every season? Why aren't we seeing player development like we used to? see that's no longer the case look k-state can get to a bowl game but that just extends the problem to me i think obviously i'm not saying you know root for it to just burn all the way down but i'm saying you know it comes to it needs to come to a point where the people closest to bill snyder need to have conversations with him and let him know look if you don't see it here it is you're not going to be able to get the job done effectively anymore season ticket sales are going down the voices are being heard people are turning away well, Grant, first off, I need to say I need to have more trust in your follow-up <laughs> questions. 
because uh, that's about the same route I was going to go. Cole, I couldn't have said any of it better. But here is it's really hard to play devil's advocate. I know <laughs> for that. Yeah, I know. So once you turn that down, I was unless ask we the same did thing. win out, then we would be nine and but four. But still, I here, still would say, okay, let's move on. So, so th- this brings me to the next sub point on this conversation. If e- even if we don't win out, say you know you win two or three more games, you're not going to a bowl game. Can Gene Taylor, friend of the pod, Gene Taylor, can he pull the trigger and force him out? If Bill digs in and says, no, I'm not going to go, because a lot of folks, you know, you you look at the message boards, you look at the Facebook groups, look at folks on Twitter, they say he's coming off of eight, you know, an eight-year bowl streak. This is his first, you know, regular season losing record, you know, since, you know, since he came back. Can you get away with doing that? So I guess here's my question to both of you. Can Gene Taylor realistically force his hand? I don't think it'll ever be a termination. I think Bill's pride has too much that he would resign or retire before it looked you know, on paper that he got fired. But can Gene Taylor really put the heat to him if Bill doesn't listen? I think he could. I mean, I, I think that Gene Taylor gets kind of a bad rap uh, publicly and that, you know, he just kind of lets things play out and just, you know, it's kind of a yes man. And I think that's far, that couldn't be farther from the truth. I think Gene Taylor behind the scenes, uh, you know, recognizes the situation. He's hearing from the fan base. He's hearing from the donors. And he sees it on paper because the season ticket sales are down more than 2,000 this year. And, and I can tell you they're going to drop substantially next season if Bill Snyder is back. It's unfortunate, but... Look, I, I think he can put the pressure on in this situation, present the numbers to Bill as well. You know, and if you, if you were saying terminate and fire, the only way I think you could go down that route to actually do that is if Bill actually tells you, look, you either hire Sean or I'm going to stick in this position as long as my contract states. And then in that case, that'd be grounds because if you're holding the program hostage for that reason, uh, then that's a problem. But look, it's been communicated to Bill Snyder that Sean's not going to be the next head coach. It's not happening. Uh, no one is going to allow that to happen, and so that's that's out of the question. So Bill needs to recognize, you know, that's just not going to happen. I'll say, okay, let's say, like, if you look at the last three years and let's say we had a young coach right now, looking at the body of work, I don't think it would be warranted firing, say we finished 5-7, and seven, like you said, didn't get to a bowl, but we finished 5-7, and seven, win two or three more games. But, however, taking into the, taking into the account, you know, the other variables in the current climate of the program. It's just unequivocally time for a head coaching change. I mean, well, it would be an epic disaster if Bill returned. It just, that's the it's thing, extremely Grant, obvious. You know, you're talking about a coach that would be 80 next year, exactly. and it's not going to get better over time because, you know, no matter how Bill hard. Bill doesn't and I, have another run in him. No, no, it's and I, I, like, I like the assistants that they have on the staff. A lot of these guys, you know, I really like. I hate to see them lose their jobs potentially over this and, and a new coach. I hope some of them are retained. But the ultimate thing is is that no matter how hard they work their asses off on the recruiting trail, they're recruiting for a head coach that's going to be 80. And recruits aren't stupid. I mean, they know he's not going to be there for the lifelong of, of everything, uh, you know, of the substantial of the program. So, you know, I, I just think that it's time. It's time that he recognizes it. Uh, and you just have to hope. Otherwise, there's going to be some difficult conversations. I hope that the man at top, um, top does <laughs> does what he does what we are all hoping. I mean, or at least the majority are hoping. Well, if this goes the way we hope it does, and I think God. all three of us want it to go this way, let's talk first about who I think all three of us 100% want as the next guy, Brent Venables. He's one of the most elite defensive coordinators 
in college football. He is probably one of, if not the most dynamic recruiters in college football. He played at K-State. He's from Salina, Kansas. Uh, I don't think there is another name that you call before him, and I would be willing to put it on the record right now. If Brent Venables is our next head coach, I will buy a minimum of two season tickets to not only K-State football, but every single ticketed sport at the (laughs) university. That's how pumped up I would be for Brent Venables. And Cole, you're probably three to five times more on the Brent Venables bandwagon than even I am. I will sell my house. (laughs) <laughs> and use that money to help bring Venables here, and I will live in a box. I do not care. I, I will do anything <laughs> to get Brent Venables here. I'll take out a life insurance policy and make him the beneficiary of it, like Bob Krause did with Ron Prince that offered to do when that was going on with Jesus. the secret contract. I want Brent <laughs> Venables here. And look, you need a hire that's going to energize the fan base again, and there can't be a better hire that would do that. And who's going to blame Gene Taylor if he does hire Brent Venables and it doesn't work out? Almost 90, probably 90, 95% of the fan base wants him. And so it's a safe hire, and it's also a hire that has a huge ceiling. And I'd rather shoot for the stars and have a chance to be a perennial Big 12 title contender than hire a guy like a Chris Kleiman who might get you six to seven wins a year and kind of maintain the status quo. So I think you give Brent Venables whatever he wants. You put it on the table. And look, I know people think that he wouldn't take a head coaching job. He doesn't want a job. That's not true. Brent Venables has wanted this job numerous times in the past. I know it for a fact. And so you go to him, and you make every option, and his kids, they can transfer here and play football at K-State. I know from one of his boys that he wants to come here, Frank Hernandez. <laughs> he told me in person. He said, Brent wants to coach here. Okay, so. I'm, all right, I'm recording again. Um, that was off the pod, though. Was it really? No. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Damn. you got really good at starting and stopping recording. Yeah, you didn't right, even notice. So, But. I don't really have anything to add to that. Other names yeah. that we would well, throw out there? Well, hold on. I, uh, before okay, we, move on, before we move on off from Brent, I do want to touch on this. There is the rumor, the allure of some unforgivable sin that's happened. We're not going to speculate on what it is. We're not going to say anything about that. But I guess my question to you, Cole, because uh, for as connected as we like to pretend we are, you've been much closer to K-State sports uh, than we probably ever will get. Um, has the has the idea of Brent coming home ever been mentioned by folks that could make it happen? And is there really some black stain that would prevent him from coming home? I, I think there was a bit of an issue in my understanding that's now kind of been moved on from, and it's no longer that something that would be an issue from bringing him back. And look, John Curry became pretty serious about Brent Venables when he was here at K-State. Bring and back to, John. Hey, hey, you know what? No, no. no. <laughs> Do not say I, I would go to battle I'm for kidding. Gene Taylor. I'm you know what? John, John Curry became, I wouldn't say infatuated, but he, he really grew to like him and Jim Levitt. Uh, you know, Ooh, back into the, I, yes. no, no, I'm not on that. Look, I'm not on the Jim Levitt thing. You know, that might have been okay three or four years ago. Like, Jim Levitt's going to be 62 soon. I, I don't yeah, think that, that's I, the solution. Uh, I know some people think that, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to go there. I think that's kind of, a, again, maintaining the status quo. You might win seven, eight games a year, but and probably not get to a Big 12 title type team. So to get get to your question, Scott, I, I do not I, – I think there are enough people that would rally and would, would welcome Brent Venables back, and I do not believe that anyone would block that situation from happening if they went and made him a solid offer. All right, no excuses from any of the boneheads out there. If the time comes – that we have a head coaching vacancy at the university we all love, Kansas State University. You have no excuses. Rally around, hashtag Venables, come home. 
Venables for KSU, <laughs> Venables for living in Cole's basement. I mean, I've designed a Venables T-shirt just recently. I've got it on my computer right now. Oh and, well, you know, <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> I was getting ready to order this. That, actually, that is actually so. that is actually oh, custom ink. Yeah, yeah custom if you guys order, I might start a uh, T-shirt stand before football games trying to sell these oh Venables God, shirts because uh, you know, uh, I'm all you, in. If you're serious about a T-shirt stand, we have a couple of ideas that we will get to. Yeah, we do actually. Uh, we talked about it before. Here. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we'll move on from Brent. I think it's the home run hire that we all want. Um, I wanted to, you know, kick around a couple ideas uh, of guys that, you know, I personally would be on board with. I think Seth Luttrell is a name that I've heard not only on message boards, but from a couple folks that might be in the know a little bit about a name that's being, you know, run up the flagpole. Um, I was on this guy early last year before it became a sexy name to talk about. If you want to talk about a good-looking coach, oh. he's he's not Excuse Brent me, Venables. Not Brent Venables. He looks just like Eric Taylor, so that opens the door for some possibilities for parodies and all that. So oh, yeah. that's worth enough so being head coach. He is, he is my personal number two behind Brent. He has a pedigree that he's, he's like 40 years old. He's been in almost – I believe. He might have coached in every single major conference at, by the age of 40. He's been around guys who are off the Snyder disciple tree. Uh, you know, his current uh, offensive coordinator, I believe, also has some ties to the Big 12 country. I think they're both big OU studs. So I think it would be nice to kind of stick it into their side by bringing in a couple of their boys. Yeah, their, their O coordinator is Graham Harrell, right? Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, the Texas Tech guy. Oh, Texas Tech, yeah, not yeah, Oklahoma. I'm uh, such a dunce. Everyone make fun of me on Twitter. Hashtag <laughs> Scott Wildcat is a dunce. Tweet it at me. First person to tweet that at me, they'll be put in a drawing for K-State basketball tickets. Yeah, yeah there you go. Obviously, Venables is the first tickets, choice, so. but I think <laughs> Seth Luttrell – uh, would be the number two obvious hire that you could make. And the reason being, he's a guy from Oklahoma, so he's from this territory. Major recruiting connections across the state of Texas and Oklahoma, which are really the two big states that you need to have connections in. Graham Harrell's another Texas kid, an offensive coordinator, kind of an innovator. You know, he's been under Mike Leach. He's been under Mark Mangino. He's a great offensive coach, as you mentioned, Scott. He's 40 years old, so he's young. He's got energy. He's attractive. Which he's, is a big thing. He's he's I mean, more the ladies could, look, love him. Could look, you imagine he's just, more handsome than Brent Venables. I'm sorry, yeah, but he well, is. I, I know. I hate. Well, to, I could, you, could you imagine here he is in a purple polo doing like a voiceover to explosion in the he's sky? He's absolutely ripped as shit too. Just you know, just talking about you know the the lights and Bill Snyder family sham. I can see the pro parodies. Right now. Oh, it, it would be it amazing. Would be. So, Sky's uh, the limit, really. And, and what he's done in North Texas is outstanding. He took over a 1-11 and 11 football team, took them to yes. five wins and to nine wins. Now they're 5-1 and one this year. They've got an innovative offensive scheme that would be fun for the fans to watch. And like I mentioned, the recruiting connections, it's a big pull. I think, you know, if you bring Graham Harrell in as the offensive coordinator, that would be outstanding. Uh, you know what? You could bring Mark Mangino onto his staff too, as well. He coached with I, him for three years. I am, I'm all for bringing Mark back. I know it would not be – Something that'd be looked, you know, fondly upon by a lot of the fan base. But I think if you brought him back as a, you know, quarterbacks coach or running backs coach, or just like just just any position on the offense. Uh, I'm not saying offensive coordinator because I'd like to see Graham Harris. Although he might be a candidate to take over that job if uh, we were to get Seth. Right. Uh, but I, 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 that's that's my number two dream hire, Grant. Uh, if, if that's your one two. Who's well, your three? We'll, we'll have everyone throw one more I'll name in I'll ask this. There. Is it crazy 
It probably is. Is it crazy to call Gary? I don't think it's crazy. Say, Gary, uh, do you want to come home? I think you call him, but I think it was last year he came out and said that he plans to only coach, what, three or four more years. Mm. So That changes things. That, yeah, that, sure. that, that does change things. But, man, there were a couple years that he – was highly critical not only about the fans at TCU but the overall it culture like at the university. It seems like he wants to leave TCU. I, uh, but the, I would just love to have a coach at our university coaching against a school in the conference that has a statue of the man because there is a statue of Gary Patterson That would be really TCU. funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be hilarious. So I'm, I'm, I don't know about – I got a bunch of names written down and none of them are all that special, but I'm not – I'm not super down on Jim Levitt, but it's like that should be your very last call because it's a guarantee. I am down on Levitt. I think that is punting on this, and I have all the faith in the world that Gene Taylor's not going to punt. Well, I'm saying, let's say the the other ones don't work out. You go for guys, and for some reason it doesn't work out. Jim Levitt is your very last option because it's guaranteed, and it's like that's not a terrible last option. He would be a decent transition into like keeping us afloat probably and maybe doing better. But that – but I'm not. Yeah, that's why I'm saying. I'm saying don't call him until he's your last option. I would rather strike out with the best high school coach in Texas <laughs> than punt with Jim Lovett. Because here's the thing: if we hired Jim Lovett, he would instantly we would go from having the oldest head coach in the Big Twelve to oh wait, still the oldest coach in the Big Twelve. That does from bother the me. Oldest coach in sixty-two in in. All of Division One, FBS and FCS, we'd go from number one oldest to number eight. He is not a realistic option if you want to move this program forward. Hiring Jim Levitt is hiring mediocrity at best and at worst another six and six bowl game. Jim Levitt doesn't win you a Big Twelve title. I would be livid if we hired livid, Jim huh? Yes, I. I you've would be taken. A, you've gone I, even yes, farther. And th- th- this is, <laughs> you know, this might be the Scott Wildcat extremism. I'm okay uh, with I'm, it. I'm, and I'm, and I'm prone to do this. You know, I, I take extreme stances, but I would be so disappointed not only in Gene Taylor but K State fans if they stood for bringing in a guy who truly was just punting the ball on this program. I'd rather go, go hard, go as they say, ham, elsewhere, and just take a. A major risk, but if yeah, Cole, I, I don't disagree. The, we're on the I'm spectrum get a beer. from you know burning it down, you know burning your diploma. If we hired Jim Lovett versus, eh, that's all right. Look, the only thing that I could come up with to why Jim Levitt would be okay as kind of a mid-tier option down the road. Obviously, I've got several other guys I would want before him that they would have to say no, and, and I don't think it'd get to that point because I think Seth Luttrell or Brent Minables would say yes if you made an attractive offer. Uh, the only thing I could see argued for Jim Levitt is the fact that you need to prove that someone else can win at K-State and you get away from Snyder. And if he could win you seven to eight games as a veteran head coach for three to four seasons, you could prove that someone else could have some success here, separate from the Snyder tree, from the pressure of that, from following that, and make it you know a little more pressure for a younger guy to follow Jim Levitt at that point. But Look, I, I wouldn't be thrilled. I wouldn't be uh, shooting off fireworks if Jim Levitt was hired. And unfortunately, I see a lot of fans that think Jim Levitt would be a great hire. And that that makes me want to bash my skull in. Yeah. The fact that there are there are folks out there who truly believe Jim Levitt should be the first call and even the second call. And that 
that just I, I don't understand that law. That would have been fine, you know, back in 2005 when he was at South Florida and what he was doing there, and he was rumored to want the job, and I think he might have backed out of it at that time or, or something happened there. I wasn't connected as well. Then. I was just a fan. Well, the, the big rumor is something almost similar to what ultimately may have cost us Gary Patterson is we tried to say, hey, come now or come never, and he wanted to coach the bowl game. Who knows how true that is. Right. Uh, but you're, you're exactly right. Back then it might have been something different. He would have been like in his late 40s, early 50s. Uh, he still could show that he had a ceiling. But all I think you need to know is he had to settle for leaving the college game and then coming back as a defensive coordinator. He hasn't gotten a sniff as a head coach since. And I think that's all you – really need to know on that well i think you have to look at what fbs or power five school would hire him as a head coach right now nobody especially power five level you'd probably find nobody that would hire him and that's how i kind of like to gauge things and when people try to bring up a transition plan with sean snyder i'm like would would any other even an fbs school hire him right now no he's a special teams guy he'd have to prove himself as a coordinator type or go elsewhere to an fcs type school to prove himself as a head coach so you know i i like to gauge it off of would another Power 5 school even consider that as an option? And I don't think that's the case. Well, perfect. Before we move on, uh, and Grant, this is all speculation. We don't have an opening. Uh, we have, I believe, the first two guys on your board, and you said that you don't think we'd have to go past either one of those. But if we were, can you just round off, just yeah. give us your top five yeah, so we have yeah, our two. Sure. Yeah, sure. So uh, Neil Brown at Troy I like. And you know, the re- he's from Kentucky originally, but he's also been at Texas Tech for a few years, offensive coordinator. The things he's done at Troy have been fantastic. Look, they went – Obviously, this year they won at Nebraska, which isn't a huge deal given Nebraska's struggles. But last year they won at LSU, controlled that game from start to finish. Three years ago, they went into number two Clemson, and they lost by six points. So they played with the big boys. Uh, I like the system that he runs. Uh, I would consider him. And then also, here's a guy. I I think he still has more to prove, but Ricky Ronnie at Penn State. Look, I know he was at K-State for a few years and also coached under Bill Snyder for a couple seasons as a tight ends coach. I need to see more what he does at Penn State, obviously. So I don't know if it'd be too early there, but I know he's from Colorado, obviously. Uh, he's a guy that I would consider. He's young. I think he'd really, really recruit. But Again, I can't get that play out of the out of my mind against Ohio State when he ran it on fourth and five. Yeah, so that, I, I don't rough. know. That, that's that's bad. But uh, you know, we'll, we'll, what we'll Are you guys do is running through coaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me just coaches. run my names off here and see if oh. I have any repeats. Okay, that's yeah, fine. Dave Aranda, DC, LSU. Uh, Tony Elliott, he's the OC of Clemson. Um, Scott Satterfield, Appalachian State, 21 wins in that, the past two seasons. I'm a big fan yeah, of I do. I do like Satterfield. Mike Norvell of Memphis. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. yeah you know, I, I don't I, feel Norvell I'm as much. A, I'm on the Norvell train, uh, but I do understand some folks would say, hey, let's see what he does when, when it's his own guys. Let's um, be honest. Those were all just fillers, though. Yeah, the, 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 those are <laughs> yeah. hot names. And if, if, the fuck time, about any of them. If, if the time comes – that the job opens, we'll get Cole back on, and we'll have a full uh, coaching oh search. A rally for Benzie. <laughs> we'll do a rally. You know, just getting back I real quick to Venables. The, the reason also, obviously, I'm a huge fan. The, the biggest thing for bringing him on is he's coached under three of the best college football coaches there is, and Dabo Sweeney and then Bob Stoops and Bill Snyder back when Snyder was in his prime and 1.0. And so he's – He's from the Snyder tree, but he's almost separated from it. It's been so long. And he's been through so many different systems and different recruiting territories. And he's been elite at every step. I'm so ready to give him a learning curve. I don't give a shit. First head coach, K-State, just come and – You know what? And here's the thing that you could bandy around. And, uh, you know, you don't want Jim Levitt as the head coach. Jim Levitt was 
Brent Venable's position coach. And if you could convince Jim Levitt to maybe come on as a D coordinator uh, under Brent Venables, you know, that's an option as well. And I, I think Jim Levitt might consider it if he doesn't have too hurt of feelings for not being considered as the head coach. And I don't know, Scott, if you're even excited about Jim no, Levitt as D if, coordinator. If he wanted the, to come in as a defensive coordinator, I'd be fine and with that. I just I, – I just, the, the reason I bring that program. up as an option is you would have a guy that has experience at least of being a head coach that would be on his staff. Uh, well, and, and then so, do everything I said I wouldn't do and just say, screw it, Mark Mangino, OC. I mean, There you go. Then guys. you have veteran guys on there the staff that know what they're and doing. The, we just solved it. And then you and got for that the people dying. that love to stick it to KU, that would be great. That would be great to see. That would really bother uh, KU fans. Eh, that's maybe. always an additional plus. I don't know. They'll, they'll have less miles, so it won't really And then Mike Stoops right. will be the linebackers coach. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually know some <laughs> folks who would melt down big time if Mike Stoops came back. But we're going to move on from that. <laughs> let, let, let's end on just a kind of, you know, that that was uh, – we started bad. Bill's gone. Then we did hopeful Brent Venables. Let's start with just pure happiness. Bruce Weber, Grant and I completely walked back a lot of our very vocal criticism of Bruce after this most recent run and seeing everything we brought back. You were just as much in the burn it down army, I think. Yeah, oh, don't give me that. <laughs> I don't know. I deleted all those tweets. I don't have any recollection of what you're I talking about. Every one of those. That <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, but but it's it's basically you know it's it's October. We got Madison Manhattan happening on Friday. There's so much hope and optimism around this basketball team. Uh, the tone has changed about over Bruce Weber. We talked before we started recording that we think the approval rating for Bruce might be 30, 40 points higher than it is for Bill Snyder. Uh, so first off. Uh, I would like you to publicly declare your love for Bruce and then also just just tell us, you know, what are your thoughts going into this basketball season and, uh, you know, are, are you drinking the Kool-Aid as hard as some folks? Are you trying to hold back a little bit? No, or? I mean, I made a commitment, Scott, to uh, John Kurtz at K-Man that I wouldn't say a bad word about Bruce Weber this entire basketball season, and so far I've held off. Granted, the season hasn't started, so uh, I haven't been truly tested. My Twitter profile picture is Bruce Weber now. In my bio, it says Bruce Weber advocate, which I truly am. I'm all aboard the Bruce Weber train this year. And so, look, I I think this team can be for real. They have a ton of depth. And we do need to keep in mind that, obviously, they were a nine seed last year with a lot of these same parts. And it's really the Elite Eight run, you know, that really is making this thing seem, you know, so much more excitable. But I think with the parts they have coming back and the, you know, gradual improvement the guys returning will make, plus the addition of Trice and especially Sean Williams, who they're very, very excited about. I know huge potential. I think he's going to get substantial playing time, too. I I think this is a team that, you know, I I think top two in the Big 12. I'm not expecting him to obviously knock off KU and win the Big 12, but definitely top two or three in the league, four seed in the NCAA tournament type team, Sweet 16. I'm not going to be disappointed if they don't get to the Elite Eight and match last year. We know the tournament, how it goes. But if they can get a Sweet 16 type run, you know, be top two or three in the Big 12, I think that's realistic. And I would be perfectly fine with that. And they can build off the success of last year and build on the recruiting trail from that. Well said, Papa Bear. <laughs> All right, and then uh, before before we do anything, this is not on the show outline, and I did this on purpose because I want I want you guys to just first first thoughts. We're gonna go through a couple basketball, you know, uh, questions, just top of mind, and this is how we're gonna end the show. All right, who is going to be the leading scorer this year? 
You go first, Grant? Dean Wade. Yeah, I, I would take Dean Wade as well. I think he'll probably average around 17. But the thing is is that they got so much depth that the points are going to be spread around. They will be spread around, but I think Dean's going to – yeah. most of it's going to go through Dean. Yeah. Right. Who's going to lead the team in minutes? Ooh. Barry. Barry. Uh, I think, probably yeah, Barry. I, I think, mean, yeah, I would agree with that just because of, you know, everything he brings to the floor, leadership. And uh, they're going to have they're gonna have an opportunity to rest these guys more, though, and that's the encouraging thing. Barry's not going to have to play 37, 38 minutes. 40 minutes a game. Yeah, I mean. yeah, you know, you can probably get away with 31, 32 minutes for those guys. Keep them more fresh as the season goes on. But still, I think Barry's just, you know, the leader. I think he'll lead them ba- in minutes. Barry's going to lead in minutes solely because he's – by far only our best defender. And yeah. That's what's most important to Bruce Weber and his teams is our, our defending. So he's going to play a lot. Who should start at point guard? I'm a huge Cardi Ajara fan, and I I think it should be Cardi, honestly. Um, I think he's got a huge ceiling. I love his game. He's long. He's athletic. He's so smooth. Uh, and if he grows and continues to improve, that would be the guy that I would start there. Granted, he could also play some two guard. Uh I'm not the biggest Cam Stokes advocate, as you guys probably have seen on my Twitter. I, I, but, again, he was banged up, so it's hard to tell yeah. from last season. Uh, I would like to see a healthy Cam Stokes and see what he can do. I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt and see what he can do this year. I can't say I disagree. I'm a big Cardi fan. Um, Cam, people don't understand that, like, have not been in sports, how difficult it is to get to your even your baseline when you're, like, have a, a knock or something or when you're playing hurt. So, I mean, Cam was playing hurt quite a bit last year, and I'm hoping that he comes in and fulfills that, the, like, sniper role, the guy that just, that's just the thing. hits devastating yeah. shots. So and we need that from it. him so bad. Yeah, he can shoot it. Uh, the thing that he's always struggled with, and it's largely because of his size, he can't finish at the rim. And so he's not a threat off the bounce to attack in the Surprisingly, paint. he did that last year in the tournament. Like, yeah, he did. Yeah, he had a couple. Like, he, had the one, he had the and one against Kentucky yeah. in that game. But so if we can get something out of that, yeah. something in the lane out of Cam, but, that would be great, but... We need a guy that can hit shots when we need him yep. from deep. And, and the that thing that surprised me him. about Jara last year was his ability to shoot. I mean, you know, I heard that as the biggest knock. Granted, it was more of a set shot. He had to be pretty open to hit it, but he knocked down around 42% from beyond the arc. I'm getting excited for basketball. Yeah. I was talking about yeah. it. Yeah, you know, I forgot they, that we were going to be good. You know, and the, the thing I love about Cardi is that he can attack and finish. He's such a good finisher. He's so strong when he drives, and that's the biggest knock to me on Stokes is, you know, he's just not much of a driver because he, he's too weak inside. Not weak, I don't want to say that, but he's just not big enough. Yeah. All right, uh, quick. Quickly, you guys both say it should be Jada, but who will it be? I think it'll be Stokes. I, I think Bruce will lean on the veteran presence and the senior, and I think he'll go with him. Now, I could say that could change by Big 12 play. I think, you know, as the season goes on, they might make a switch, but I think early on especially it'll be Stokes. I think it'll be Jada. I think he just thinks Cardi's better and he's going to start. I don't know. All right, and then finally. Stokes ha- isn't even really 100% right now yet, is yeah. he? Yeah. Uh, well, they said like 95 that's not 100%, is it? <laughs> All right, and then finally, no, you're fine. And finally, the, there's two, but the last one is just instant. I don't want you to think about it all, but this one you can think about a little bit. How many players currently on K-State's roster will score a bucket in a regular season NBA game? On the current roster? Current roster. <laughs> That's so I'll hard. give my answers at the end. but I'll start this one off. I'll say, oh, man, like just – any time, ever. A regular season NBA bucket. Oh, that's hard. Um, I'll say I'll say two. I'm going to say two. Dean and X. Cool. 
you know, I've been going back and forth between two and three because I think Barry has a shot. I think he has to a at shot. least get into the league at some point, you know, like a Jacob Poland did, you know, on a 10-day contract type. How tall is Barry? Six he's three? around 6'2", six 6'3". Six yeah. He's, he's got longer arms, you know, as well. He's a great he's got defender. A good, he's got a good wingspan. And so I'm actually going to say three because I think Dean Wade and Xavier Sneed and Barry have a shot. And look. Sean Williams, by the time he's a senior, and if he progresses, like he, he certainly could be an option in the I'm NBA as well. I'm trying to think well. of some other guys, too. I mean, I mean, shoot, Jada's a 6'4". Stop stealing. Possibly. Stop stealing my <laughs> here, folks. Okay, go ahead. Go we're going we're gonna to move on from it, and then I, instantly, the first name that I'm, – I'm serious. First name that comes into your mind, I don't care what order. After Jacob Pullen and Michael Beasley, who's the next jersey in the rafters? I'll let you take this first. No, first, well, you have something in your mind. I Say don't. It. I don't. That's why I passed oh, it off. Oh, you guys are horrible. So, so okay, yeah. then. All right. Rodney Magruder. Oh, boy. Um, Played four years. Was extremely consistent for us. Led the, led our scoring in our, Big 12 title, our only Big 12 title. I mean, I would be okay if we hung him in the rafters. Yeah, I would be I'm totally okay with that. Thinking Brandon Bolden, some other options <laughs> potentially. Uh, thinking Espria, maybe. You're putting Bolden up there. It shouldn't be his jersey. It should just be the gif of the block. Freddie Espria would be in the has rafters hung with the, all the hype that was given to him, which I was largely guilty of because I talked to Art Alvarez frequently, and he 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 led the hype train on Freddie to me and made me think he was going to be the greatest big man ever. Jesus. Uh, so he literally didn't uh, even finish. The yeah. Season. Look, I, I would. <laughs> I like the Magruder pick. I, I certainly think that's fair, but I think a large part of it depends on what happens this season. And I think, I think if K State goes on a big run, it I think could, it could be Barry Brown. That's fair, uh, totally fair. You know, I think Barry Brown could be a guy that goes in. But if you look at the order of it, I think Rodney eventually is going to have his jersey hung. So I think Rodney would be the next guy. All right. So I think Barry Brown is going to shock everyone and lead the team in scoring. He's going to lead the team in minutes. It should be Cam Stokes, and it will be Cam Stokes because when it's all said and done, Cartier Jada will end up playing more minutes at the three than at point guard when his K-State career is done. I see him starting at the three next year because I think Xavier Sneed is going to have an all-Big 12 season, and he's going to end up going pro. I think you have five guys who will eventually score a bucket in the NBA. I think you're going to see Dean Barry X. Cardi and Sean Neal Williams all scoring a bucket. And I my here's my hot take, the hottest of all takes. The next jersey in the rafters has not yet played for K-State. If you're going to wait this long to put Michael Beasley up there, I don't think you're going to put Rodney Magruder up there. And I don't think anyone is going to hit All-American status on this team when it's all said and done. So there's the Scott Wildcat hot takes. I, I will say I think part of the reason they've uh, they've held off on Beasley and as well as Jake is because their playing careers have continued. And but my that doesn't fit my narrative. <laughs> my, I'm just saying my understanding I, is they're trying to wait until those guys yes, are finished. And, and I, th I think Gene actually let it out of the bag. I think he straight up, and I think Bruce said as well, both those guys I think they said will go up there. Uh, the one thing I'll say, and I'm not trying to knock Magruder, he would be the only guy up there who I believe never made an All-American team. I think he was honorable mention maybe twice, but never made an All-American team. So Yeah, but have you seen him in that Miami that's true. Jersey? Don't hang the purple jersey. That's all that matters Put the Miami Vice jersey <laughs> up there. So that's all we have for today. I'd like it, to publicly say that I love Bruce as well. Um, I think most of my Bruce – I think Bruce, you have I think my, most of my Bruce say, was kind of tainted by my beloved Frank being pushed out and, that and was Curry kind of being a dickhead. Um, as it stands, I like what Bruce has done quite a bit. He's not perfect, but I think 
he's built us a pretty solid program, pretty good staff. Um, I'm glad you guys have come around because I've been there standing by his side <laughs> for years okay. now, getting taken the punches for him, and now finally you guys are on board, so hey, it we're, feels we're, good. We all love Bruce. Get in there. Stay tuned to shows and Twitter. We're going to be giving away – a lot of basketball tickets this year. We're going to put a lot of boneheads in the Sprint Center. We have some uh, non-conference tickets we're going to give away. Uh, let's go around the table one more time. Uh, Cole, what do you want to say to the boneheads before we sign off? Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> you know, I would just say uh, – I would say to support uh, the basketball program this year and get in Bramlage and fill it up and make an intimidating place to play again uh, because I just think uh, Saturdays it should be full nonstop and get aboard because I think this is going to be a special year. I mean, I truly think they could be a top-10 type team. Bring the doom back to Yeah, Bramlage. return of the doom. Yes, let's bring that back, and let's play Sandstorm so for the love of God. So you are buying into the hype. Sandstorm's I, not coming back. Is, it, I is the not. hype – I've seen us as high as eight. Is eight warranted? Is that nah, I probably wouldn't go that high. Uh, look, here's the thing. People also need to realize if, if they don't finish in the top ten, like that's not a reason to be that disappointed. No, I mean, it's not. Yeah, I just think – the expectations might get a little out of control, but it's a tough schedule they've got that they've got unleashed in the non-con, as well as you know the Big Twelve, three straight Big Mondays on the road with KU, West yeah. Virginia, and TCU, which will be schedule difficult. Schedule makers, yeah. But uh, <laughs> people also love to reference the 2010 season where we were preseason number three and kind of fell flat. Yeah. But people, there's so many variables from that season that people just completely forget about. I mean, we lost two massive contributors, Denny and Sutton. Jake and Curtis were suspended. Yeah. Um, Espria Thanks, was a John. massive, <laughs> massive bust. Literally yes. didn't even finish the season. We had freshmen that were playing huge roles. So it's like, this is totally different. And we get everyone back. And Wally didn't take the next steps. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, he'd kind of finish the season. Sorry to extend our show strong. even further, but I know we were kind of yeah. wrapping it up. But I'm, I'm kind of buying into the hype a little bit. I don't yeah. think it's going to be anything like that. You know, now, buying buy into K-State ready. basketball and buying into Brent Venables. Do whatever it takes, folks. Be on the lookout for T-shirts. Buy into the do- to Doom again. Bring Return Doom back. Doom. Donate get money. F- get there on Friday. Go, go to Madness. I've never actually been. I might go, but get there, guys. Right. Meet me at the Cathead. Wow. Well, you can you can just ready? I, I go was ahead. gonna say stay tuned. We got big shows. Oh yeah, out. guys. Seriously, our next like three shows are really possibly. really good. Definitely yeah, two. Definitely two out of the next three, but possibly. Possibly the next three might be huge. Yes. Yeah, three big shows following me here because I was the letdown show. No, this no, is yeah. a great show. No, if you look at our <laughs> big shows, it's a build. So you're getting the you're getting everything started. I didn't want to have to follow Reggie, so <laughs> that one. Shout out to Reggie. Shout out to uh, Ian. Shout out to uh, Brian Smoller, Gene Taylor, my dad, your dad, <laughs> K Dog, the KSO crew. Shout out to Brent. I know you're hearing this, baby. Come home. Meet me at the Love you guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.